Welcome to the Drivable Podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. I'm Ali Akbarian from Mobility Engineering, and with me is Brad Williams of Williams OT. G'day, Brad. G'day, everybody. And in this episode, we have Paul Craig. Paul's story takes us on a journey from pre-injury and how he utilizes his drive and his passion and his determination to help others with disabilities to drive. So let's not hang around. Let's get into it straight away and listen to his story. Ali, you ready to go? Yep, let's do it. Driving is something many take for granted. But when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery. And relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab getting car sick. The Drivable Podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities, vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques, and much, much more. The Drivable Podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali, and with me is Brad, and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And today we are talking with Paul Craig. Paul, would you like to start us off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your disability? Morning, guys. Brad, Ali, good to see, good to see you on a yeah. on a screen. It's been a while. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a push bike accident fifteen, just over fifteen years ago. Uh, that occurred in New Zealand and I ended up with T4 paraplegia. So before that, I was a professional cyclist and also sort of in with that uh, a runner as well. So yeah, I've, I've gone through some fairly significant life changes as a result of that. One day being a sport being my whole get up and reason for, for um, getting up and about. To obviously having that taken away from me, so it's it's been an interesting road, and and uh, yeah, it's 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 continuing to evolve. To evolve. So, I we know a little bit more about you. So I'm going to dig in uh, a little bit deeper. You were more than just somebody that got up and went for a run and a cycle in the morning. You were somebody who was an elite athlete. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your achievements prior to the accident? Aren't you a, a current athletic uh, world record holder still? Yeah, I, I might be. Yeah, yeah you yeah. might be. Come on, come on, unpack yeah. for us. Yeah, so I've uh, I've still got the record for running up the Empire State Building. So I think the time is nine minutes and thirty three seconds. That stands That's, uh, from uh, two thousand and two thousand three. So I've also. I, I just want to pause there because I've thought about this. I just think it's pretty amazing that you're in a wheelchair and no one has still beaten you. I just, I just can't get over that. So that, that's, that's bloody awesome. That's, a, that's such a good achievement. I yeah. struggle to get up one flight of stairs. I don't know yeah. how the hell you do that in nine minutes. I just, I just can't fathom. How but the thing is, that. is that we're, like in today's day and age where there's all this modern athletics, all this technology, no one can beat what you did in two, like you know, that in two thousand and three or whenever it was. That, that like they didn't have the stuff they did now. You know what I mean? Like it's um, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's raw grit right there. So, uh, I get. I guess I just 
a lot of hard work and determination. So, yeah. And, yeah. And there was a few years there where I was really focused on just focusing on stair running. So, you know, that's a big portion of my training was just running upstairs. I, I, I was living back in Canberra. I'd, I'd come up to Sydney. I'd go and run up Sydney Tower five or six times, come back the following morning and do the same. And then I'd head back to, back to Canberra on a bus. So, <laughs> and, um, wow. Unreal. Yeah, so. uh, uh, that it blows my mind when I hear that story. That is, I just incomplete, like completely different to this story. Just that alone, we could talk about that in a whole podcast episode. I, I just want to know more about your training and all that kind of stuff and how you did that. But that's just because I've got an interest in sport. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to um, talk about driving and so forth as well. But let's let's dig a little bit deeper. You were up and training and working your butt off every morning and, and afternoon still as an athlete just before the accident? Yeah, exactly. So I'd, I'd actually, uh, um, so the last three years of my sporting career, I was a professional cyclist. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, I was racing for an Italian team and finished the season, came back to Australia and just recreationally went across to New Zealand to to race with a few mates and it was over there that I, I got blown off the road at high speed and mm. I broke my back. So up until the day of my accident, I was, I was still training every single day of the year. And yeah, the sport was my, was my primary focus. So, and as, as I touched on before, I was, you know, I just, that's, I found it pretty difficult those first couple of years yeah. because it wasn't, yeah, I wasn't accustomed to sitting down all day long. Well, yeah, I was going to say, um, sorry, uh, Brad, um, I guess the story of, of, you know, I wanted to lay that story of the um, Empire State Building and because something like that, and as the story that you de- demonstrated by catching a bus to just run up, you know, five, fly to <laughs> Sydney Tower a couple of times and bus back, that is extreme, extreme levels of determination. That's not a normal human being level of determination. So um, even, even athletic people don't have that determination. This is like, you know, higher level. Um, so I guess, yeah, how, like, yeah. What, what was that post the accident? Like how did that determination still come in in some way? Were you determined to do something else? Like, like or did, did you find it just broke you a little bit? Um, yeah, how did you deal with that? In all honesty, Ali, it's it. Yeah, the first year or two, it broke me because I'd, I'd lost all my desire, all my motivations. Um, I didn't just, yeah, I didn't really see see where the future was going. Um, yeah. I, I was fortunate; I had really good family support, and and Danny, obviously, uh, my partner, was was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it was really the first couple of years. Honestly, I was just, yeah, I didn't didn't know where I was going so so that level of determination just yeah from one day to the next was actually pretty much gone yeah okay. so interesting um, it did it, it came back of course um, and it came back in another form but yeah just it, um, it and really... what do you think it took to start bringing it back yeah I was, I was about to say what was the trigger yeah oh, probably driving yeah. So, yeah, in all honesty, it was. Um, so, I, six months after my accident, 
after I left, left hospital, I was, um, I found myself back in Italy, living over there, and I still wasn't driving. Uh, it was another, it was just over 12 months before I actually got my license and started to drive. And that's really when I started to piece things back together and getting that, as I know we talk about it all, all, all the time in our industry, but getting that independence back, getting that ability to actually go out on my own and not be reliant on others. That was, that was a stepping stone of things to come, really. So what process did you go through 12 months post-injury to actually get your license back? Was it here in Australia or were you actually in Italy at that point? Or I, was in you... I did a trip specifically back to Australia to, to get my license. So mm-hmm. I went through the, the process that we're all very familiar with now, um, working with a driving OT, driving instructor, and then being, being re-licensed. And back then... That was with push-pull controls, mm-hmm. so the good, good old push-pull mechanical. And I was actually a bit, bit taken aback when I got in the assessment there. I was like, really, is this all you've got? And because I already done a little bit of research and I knew what was readily available in Europe. So, so yeah, it was a bit of a shock when I came back and I was like, oh, you want me to drive a vehicle with this? And, um, and we had no other option. That's what we had available back then. Yeah. Yeah, and me starting in the industry as well here in in um, South Australia, yeah, it's still it's developing now. Um, you know, in regards to options that are available, but still the the basics are in there. Whether it's a twist grip or whether it's a, a push pat, a push radial type of hand control, these these basic mechanical hand controls uh, are, are still some of the main options that are available. Uh, in the industry, I don't know what it's like in, in New South Wales now and Victoria, but um, we will go and unpack a little bit about how it's changing because you've had a you've had a big influence on on that as time goes by. Um, but yeah, so you were twelve months in. You've come back to Australia specifically uh, and worked through the license processing. Um, that was in New South Wales at the time. That was actually Canberra. So Canberra, Canberra. was my hometown back then. Yeah. And um, and then you were licensed. Did you head straight back to Italy after that and start driving over there? Yeah, I was back in Italy in about a week. And yep. within another week, a few weeks, I, I think I bought a car. Yep. And then a, and then a few weeks after that, had it fitted with push pull. No, actually, I got I got the uh, I, I went across to an electronic accelerator in the form of a satellite back then. Yep. So one of the older style satellites, and and I was. I was on my way. So all right. So let's let's unpack what a satellite satellite is. Push pull is what it sounds like. You push for brake and you pull for accelerator. Satellite. What does that mean for the people that are tuning in for the first time? What does satellite accelerator mean? Okay, so it's a terminology. It's a we're still braking the vehicle with a push brake, but mm-hmm. the, the the function is the accelerator is operated by a thumb trigger on the hand. So yep. it's just a little device that we put on the hand and it enables us to do two-handed driving while accelerating. So it's just a more, more innovative, newer style of hand control systems that have become fairly commonplace these days. That's like the, the glove type one that they sometimes refer to, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, really, um, they're really cool, actually. They're very, very popular here. And um, we, I don't know if we've spoken to anyone here that's had one, but... Um, 
but yeah, they've kind of taken, um, I guess uh, you, you've had something to do with it, but they've definitely taken this country by storm um, and this, this market by storm uh, for good reason, um, because they're, they're a great product. So, um, well, so yeah. let's, let's get in towards, towards that. You said that you're, you were very driven, um, pardon the pun, but a very dedicated focused person towards the accident. And you were saying that driving was one of your motivating factors some 12, 12 months to two years post-injury. So we've unpacked how you've got to the point of actually getting your license in this first hand control system that you've got with the satellite thumb accelerator and pushing for the brake. Take us, take us on the next step of the journey. What happened after that? You're living in Italy. You've, you've tried, you've bought your car, you, you put in modifications. Where does your journey take you from there? So at that point, the employment side of things hadn't really kicked in, um, but it, it did give me that opportunity to freely travel within Europe. And from my days of running over there and cycling, I had a lot of, a lot of friends. So I actually used that, that time um, to go and visit people and 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 spend time just out in out, out in the car. So, what was that like? What was that like being able to do that for the first time in twelve months or whatever it was? I, I actually jokingly say to people that was my anti antidepressant pill. So, yeah. getting out in the car was basically that's they they gave me something to look forward to every day. Yep. And obviously the 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 terrain that we're driving on and or people will drive on in Europe is somewhat different to here in Australia. Mm. You've got the autobahns, you've got the Alpine roads. Um, you can traverse a couple of countries in one day if you so desire. So it's, yeah, it's a totally different driving environment to what we have here. And, and I thrived on that. I loved it. So it really did allow me to feel like I was, I was back and starting to get my mojo. So, um, and, and it's, you would have heard it many a time. Um, it's one of those moments where you, you really truly forget about the wheelchair. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, some of the things that you've said just then, are, uh, well, I know that's why I'm in it and I'm sure that uh, why Ali's in the, in the industry as well. I mean, we don't, we don't have disabilities that impact on our, on our driving, um, so to speak, but it's that, that freedom, that independence, that um, ability to be in a car and not be judged by a, a disability. Uh, I don't know what that's like to live through. I don't confess to know what that's like to live with, but we hear stories from our clients about the, the impact that driving has, just like you've shared your story, that ability to, to be independent and and hit the road and go see friends and, and live life without that, that extra barrier is um, it, it's, it's good stuff. And it's, and it's highly uh, emotive stuff. It really is. Yeah. And I probably go on, on from that is that obviously the, in Australia, obviously we talk about assistive technologies um, mm -hmm. in a disability sector. And that comes in the, in many forms, um, be it wheelchair, be it house modifications, um along with driving um and I, and I don't think i'm just being biased here but i do feel that driving is is probably the most instrumental as far as getting people back to independence 
being autonomous and and that giving them that that um, psychological boost. Let's let's call it. I 100% agree. I mean, one thing I um, uh, personally, I guess, have been the the, the game of automotive um, for me is. Um, the reason why I love cars is I just love the freedom they represent. I've always loved that since I was a kid. You know, I, I love road trips. I love getting out there. I've, me, myself, I think I've driven since I was 17. I think I calculated like 1.1 kilometers or something. 1.1 million kilometers of driving. I've, I've just driven so much because I love it. And um, I love, and, and I love um, to be honest, I actually really love driving around in Europe as well. Um, I think that uh, what you said about... Um, feeling like like people can't see your disability. I think, I don't know what you think, Paul, but I think it's more so in Europe than it is in Australia. Um, it feels like a little bit more like just more common, I guess, when I'm over there um, as, as over here. Um, but in general, again, being in this, being in the automotive industry myself within the disability sector, it's a part of the thing where it's quite funny. Um, like you said, the thing about the house, People are generally focused on all these assistive technologies like house and wheelchair and stuff first, but they don't seem to really be able to open up their lives until they can get into that car. And that seems to be where things get stuck um, before they can get into that car. And they often, as, as I've ranted on this um, podcast before, it's always uh, the, the, the forgotten part as well of the planning. You know, it's uh, what happened to the car and what happened to the funding for the car. It's like, well, that's one of the most important things for independence, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's an important chapter as far as people's road to recovery really is. So, yeah, yeah. So you were traveling around Europe and seeing friends and getting that, getting that antidepressant intake by getting out and about. Yeah. Uh, I love that term, by the way, and that's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit later on in our mm. reflection. Um, and I'm, I'm going to steal that if I can, Paul, if I, yeah. if I can have permission to, to utilise that as I go forward. Um, and, and what happens next? What happens next? Oh, so, yeah, four, four and a half years passed while I was living in Italy. And then I was really, at that point, I was starting to get my motivation back and really wanting to look look forward and not just from a putting one day in front of the next and mm. that's when my wife and I decided to to return to Australia yep. so um, obviously I wanted to return predominantly for the work aspects because obviously employment for me was was you know a little bit challenging in Europe I'd done a, a few things along the way but nothing really substantive so so we returned to Australia um just over over 10 years ago i think yeah just over 10 years ago mm -hmm. and and then obviously i started to get back into the work and that's when i i set up the, the business of total ability and i think i i think we started around the same time brad yeah it's uh, yeah I've, i'm about 10 years ago uh we've just celebrated uh 10 years at williams ot this year um and uh yeah it's yeah, we got to know each other probably way back then, almost yeah. uh, fairly fairly soon after after we got started. So we've known each other for a fair while. Um, when you first came back to Australia, was was the satellite hand control that you've been using for four to five years available in Australia for your first car back here? No, at that time it wasn't. So that was one of the prompters 
I'd already realized that there was, you know, there was a, a need for this equipment in Australia mm-hmm. and there wasn't, there wasn't all that much, there wasn't much education around surrounding the new modifications. And as we know, it's, it's a lot of it, any, any technology changes in our industry all revolve around being able to provide the, the appropriate levels of education. So, so that's where it really, really stemmed from. And yes, I, I believe I was the first in Australia to be using, using a satellite. And yeah, it just it went it went really went from there with with setting up the business, um, working with with Fardiel in Italy, and it was just a bit coincidental that the company that I now work extremely closely with is was just a few hours down the road from where I was living in Italy. So were you and, using their stuff in Italy? Were you yeah, like yeah yeah I was I was using using the stuff, but I had I had no idea what was in my car at the time. Yeah, I was, so you didn't like have a relationship with them or anything then? No, not not to start with. No, no, no. So I was just like, okay. I had the gear fitted in the car when I purchased that vehicle back in Italy. And off I went and I really didn't ask that many questions. I just thought, okay, this is pretty good. I can I could drive the car the way that I desire, the way that I feel, you know, in, in certain driving environments is really important. And yeah, I didn't think much more of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, all my friends and everyone that saw the gear, they're like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, it's interesting to see how you're driving. And nothing more was was mentioned. So, um, but yeah, it was interesting when I got back to Australia, obviously, that there was a lot of education to be done in the in the whole whole, whole industry. Because what we just have What got you into it? Because one thing I wanted to mention, and I guess recognise, um, is that, like, what you did in terms of bringing some of these products into Australia is basically shake up the whole industry because oh, it was very archaic. Yep. It was very simple. Um, and by you bringing what you did, you basically disrupted the whole thing to challenge everyone to go, wait a minute, there's more than just, as you said, mechanical push pulls. Yep. Um, so, so I'm interested to know, were you asking those questions yourself and that's what drove you to bring it or like what, what got you to bring it? Because yeah, like what's happened post you coming here is a completely different driving oh. environment for disabled people. It's, like- it's accelerated so yeah. quickly and it's over the last the 10 years. And and I totally agree. <laughs> I I would, if I was to pinpoint someone that kickstarted it all, that's why we wanted to get you on here and uh, congratulate you on behalf of the industry, but also the people that we represent as well in cars. Yeah, I reckon, because I reckon I said, you are a Kickstarter for all of this. We, we, we've had so many people here that we've interviewed that, you know, pre FIDL or Total Ability days of, of coming here and then pushing the market and disrupting to look at another way. All we hear from people is I just did push pull or push pat. And now or, or made my own hand controls. Or yeah, made, made my own my hand own. controls yeah. in the back shed. Yep. So, so that is a big, big thing, I guess. And I'm interested to know, yeah, how did you get in? Like, what, what did you face that frustration or did you yeah. see an op- business opportunity? What was it? Yeah, it's interesting. So a bit more of my background is that I was always, pre-accident, I was, I was always tinkering with cars. I was always working on cars. I was very mechanically minded. Um, I was obviously, at one point, I looked at even going down the road of becoming a mechanic. So... So I had a had a passion for for everything automotive, and and obviously that pieces in 
and that's a big part of what what enabled this all to come about. Um, and then I, I guess the second part of that is the fact that I was an end user, and I saw in Europe how I could drive to the same, well, pretty much to the same competency that that the two of you would be driving a, a, a motor vehicle, and and I felt that. You know, with the, with the traditional push pull controls, I, I personally I couldn't I couldn't drive to the same level of competency, and so there was there's two driving factors behind it. One obviously being the user and seeing that we had a we had better options out there for people to drive drive more competently, and more competently also means um, with more enjoyment as well and more safety. Um, but then at, on the back end, I was. I was really interested in how the equipment worked and how it integrated into the vehicles. And so that's sort of really how it just, it just went from there. And do you think that being a driven and motivated and dedicated person has helped you develop, develop this next stage of the business? Because I'm pretty, you know, I've seen it with other controls. They kind of, meander into the industry and they kind of hang around for a little bit and then they don't really take traction in Australia for whatever reason but that's not the that's not the same with the satellite controls they, they've really taken off and um, I, I'm going to put my hand up and say I think it's related to your dedication and your passion and your ability and your dedication to something that you start would, would you would you agree that you've yeah, I would. It's also something that I strongly believe in. Mm. So, I'm not, you know, there's a whole raft of, of driving solutions, newer driving solutions out there to help people um, control a motor vehicle these days. And satellite's just one option. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, I'm a very strong proponent that because of the stronger, the, the improved systems that... Um, yeah, that's probably the driving factor behind behind it. And of course, you know, I've got that, like I said to you, the first few years post-accident, I sort of I'd lost that that motivation. But it's it's come that motivation I had before and that determination, it's it's come back. So yeah. and you know, I'm I'm really passionate about what I what I do and I've got a reason to get up every day. So and I think anyone that's gone through a life-changing incident um such as you know such as what what i've experienced um you know we, it, it, we we do need some additional reasonings on occasion to to get us get ourselves out of bed and and for me that's that's probably the that's a, a big big driver so when that alarm goes on goes off in the morning or and i've got to get up and go to work or if i've got to get up and jump on a plane um i've got no excuse I've got to get up and go. And, and I think people in my predicament that those, those reasonings to get up are even more important than, than the, those that, that aren't, aren't confronted with, with having to, as an example, sit in a wheelchair every day. Yeah, I, I, let's touch on that just quickly because we've, that's come up a few times in uh, our podcast journey here is that motivating factor to work post-injury um, and the, the, 
the ability to be able to drive to and from work or for work as well. Uh, we've spoken to Alex, who's an Uber driver uh, post injury with his with his modifications. Um, we spoke to um, oh over in Western Australia. I've got a blank on his name, Jamin. Jamin, um, in regards to what he's utilising his vehicle for to be able to do his work for his B and B and for his for his uh, photography as well. It's that ability to get back into work is huge as a as a motivator to be able to get on with life and be productive and and be a, a an active person in society and and driving driving has a major influence on that the ability to be able to do your work and and uh, you've taken it further because now driving is your work uh, literally helping other people to drive as well. In this podcast itself, we haven't got time to unpack total ability and what total ability does, um, but we'll, we'll reference it here for people that want to know more about total ability. Um, please look it up on Google. It's a simple Google search, total ability. You'll find out more about um, Paul there as well. Um, but Paul, maybe one day in the future, we could get you back and we could talk about total ability and and how total ability assists other people would you be interested in doing that yeah yeah that's obviously a, a, another another conversation another podcast yeah back onto the modifications and getting back and driving um did you do the modifications i guess for you particularly did you do them through it was pre-ndis wasn't it yeah that was my next question yep and um and have you gotten into the ndis and and how are you finding it yeah, so I, I am in the NDIS. I'm, I'm self-managed. And I think you guys would have touched on different ways that a participant can be managed. So I won't, I won't go into that today. Um, I haven't used NDIS funding for vehicle mods. Uh, one, because I've obviously already got my vehicle fitted and yeah, I haven't had the, had the need. Um, I've yeah, seen others who... Have... <laughs> so, sorry? Drive the demo cars around. <laughs> yeah, Ali, you know, we've, they're not applicable for NDIS funding. So, that's right. Um, that's what I mean. So, you just got to drive demo. Around. Yeah, I just, anyway, yeah, I pretty much would drive all the demo cars around at some point. Um, but, yeah, the obviously NDIS has been, been valuable for me in, in other areas um, wheelchair, other, other out of pocket expenses. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm not as reliant on, on NDIS funding as, as others. Obviously, Jamin, who you had on recently, obviously it's made, it would have made a bigger difference to him because he would have um, carers that would come in, in possibly in the, in the mornings and the evenings to help him. So, but but in saying that, it's been it's it's worked pretty well for me. There's there's obviously there's been teething issues with the system, but it is it is improving. The people the people at the other end there are, are getting a, a far better understanding now of a range of different disabilities. Um, whereas at the start, a lot of the people's didn't, people didn't understand the difference between the different disabilities. And that, that was obviously a, a big concern because you know, someone with quadriplegia has very, very different needs to someone with paraplegia. I think that yeah. would actually come up a lot more because uh, like uh, being in the same industry, I know it comes up a fair bit and speaking to colleagues in other industries, I think in driving, because it's quite a complex environment, um, 
it comes up, I think those complications with the NDI, it's maybe more than just a standard wheelchair script or something like that. Um, and and um, because as you said, it's always something slightly different or a different product or a slightly different prescription or something like that. And is there anything that you've found any um, consistent themes or anything like that um, that can help with the end users or the clients to, to get through that web or figure out either how to represent if this is the right thing for them to the NDIS? Do you guys help with that or, or, or any tips on that? Yeah, Ali, you've, you've, you actually nailed it there. As far as any form of assistive technology and getting or requesting NDIS funding, it's probably the most fraught with issues. And, and that comes down to the fact that it's, it's complex, okay? The three of us have all got three different skill sets. And even then, we don't profess to have all the answers. There's still, there is a raft of different access solutions, driving solutions, um, we've got to talk about postural support, pressure care in the vehicle. And these, these all require to often generally some form of trialing assessments. Um, if it's, a, there's often a, a raft of driving lessons to go along with it. And so the timeframes do, do obviously blow out from time to time. And we need to get, it's important to get things right. So, a wheelchair script is just a predominantly is, is one item. Whereas when you're doing vehicle mods, you've got to consider the vehicle as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is it is more challenging and time consuming for scripting and getting scripting vehicle mods and getting vehicle mods funded. So um, we've got we've actually put together um, what we call the complete guide to driving, which helps helps a, a, an end user navigate some of the challenges with, with the NDIS and obviously explains why um, it, you know, it is often necessary to go to a, an OT or a driver trained OT in order to get that, that assessment. Uh, Paul, will you uh, share that complete guide with us and we'll put it in the show notes for people to yeah. reference it? Yep, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that, that'd be really good. And um, that way they can, they can see what you what you're talking about in regards to linking it all together you made reference that um with a wheelchair it's a product to suit one person um with with uh driving it's it is the person and their disability and matching that to the car but like you said then we've also got to take in the factors of the licensing requirements as well driving lessons passing a test at the end of it all as well uh, to show that you're a competent user. And the other thing is, is that cars are unlike a home, a home may last you unless you're renting um, beyond 20 years. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a turnaround type of product with a car. You, you upgrade your car every five to eight years. Thereabouts the industry average, they would say is every five to eight years, sometimes 10 years. Um, so it's a, it's an evolving thing that comes up regularly and over and over again as well. So it, it is a really complex area and yes, there has been some teething issues with the NDIS for this area. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's getting there and, uh, I've got high hopes for the industry as we move forward. Yeah. I'd say, look, look at where it's come the last 10 years oh. because there's so many resources available as far as. There's more experienced driving OTs 
like yourself, Brad, there's more modifiers that have got, got significant knowledge now. There's more driving instructors. So anyone that's looking at um, returning to driving or, or revisiting the, the, the controls that they're driving with, the process is, is a lot, lot more streamlined than it, than it ever has been. And, and actually, in some ways, when you look at what some of the resources we've got on hand here in Australia now, we actually are becoming one of the benchmark countries to look at. Well, that's that's great. And I actually want to applaud the NDIS for, for offering a funding stream to be able to make that happen because I was around before the NDIS um, doing all of this and the funding for people with disabilities to be able to afford driver-trained OTs was hard, was was very difficult. It takes time to be able to navigate the system uh, because it is so complex. And that was always, there was always, I shouldn't say always, but it promoted taking shortcuts because of how much it cost as in, well, let's just put in the easiest hand control and do the least amount of lessons and just get you ticked off as quick as we possibly can. I've noticed a significant change in safety and appropriate driving, thanks to the NDIS uh, funding sources being available. That's, that's been absolutely huge. Would you tend to agree that that's, that's made a positive impact on the industry, Paul? Yeah, ab absolutely. And one specific area there is driving license. Okay. People were funding bodies. People were really reluctant to have, have sufficient number of driving lessons. Mm. And everyone's different. Okay. Some people can mm. be re-licensed in half a dozen lessons. Other people need 20, 30, 40 lessons. And that that has to be that has to be paid for and funded. So you now, Brad, have got more reassurance if you feel that one of your clients needs that additional time with a driving instructor, yep. you can you can validate the reasoning to the funding body that, that it's necessary. And then at the end of it, you're putting a person back behind the wheel that's going to be you know, more more competent more safety on the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it'll make a massive difference to insurance as well. We had uh, Nick on from Blue Badge Insurance and talking about how uh, people with disabilities when they drive are actually uh, one of the safest cohorts on the road. And with this new technology, that's only going to get better, I believe, compared to old style push pull or push radial or, or those type of things. I think with the new technology, it's only going to get safer as well. Yeah, and I think I wanted to, I guess, highlight um, all of the, a lot of these advances and going back to the point I made at the beginning of this conversation, I think as we kind of start wrapping things up, is, um, is I really want to, again, recognise that you've got a world record holder with world record holding determination that has taken that determination to this industry. And that's why these processes are easier. Yeah. It's because of you, Paul. It's no, one, no other reason. And, yeah. and it really needs to be recognized because the last 10 years, the determination that you have, you have put that gave you that world record that is still standing to this day, which I still bloody can't believe, honestly, because in sports, that's unheard of in, in today's day and age to have a world record still not hold because people just people's shoes are different, you know, like it's, yeah. So to me, um, the, the fact that people, uh, you have just put that determination to these products to be out there 
Um, and you've obviously not taken no for an answer throughout the way when people have hit barriers. And that's why NDIS understands more. That's why, as you said, these things are easier. And I really want to recognize that it's a direct result of your determination. Um, because there is others in, this, in the industry, like myself and like Brad, but we don't have a world record. So we don't definitely don't have that level of determination. I can guarantee that's, you that. So, that's all right, Ali. Yeah, th thanks. For, I'll, I'll I, know, I, know I know you might I'll be a bit shy you, about yeah. it, but, but I, really, I, really do, um, no. I, I really do think it's a big deal. You know, I, I, I'm a bit of a fanboy about that. You know? so, <laughs> so I wanted to recognize that, that's all. So, um, Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I 100% uh, agree with uh, Ali's uh, sentiments there. It's You've shaken up the industry in a positive way uh, for all of us, uh, for kicking us up the butt uh, to do more as well. Uh, thank you very much. And we really appreciate you coming on as well onto this uh, podcast. Um, we always ask one question, though, and we can't let you get away with it. Um, we ask a question about what do you, what's something that you've done in your car that's a little bit different, a little bit more unique, that's not just getting from A to B. What have you done in a car, especially post-industry, uh, post-injury, uh, I should say, uh, and getting into the industry? What's something that you've done in your car that's a little bit peculiar other than just getting from A to B? So, th so there was one experience, uh, and this was yeah, probably a couple of years after I was back driving, um, back in in the Italian Swiss Alps. Uh, I was driving home late one night um, from a place called Lavinio. I had to go through Switzerland and then back into Italy to get back home. And it was middle of winter. It was a mountain pass over 2000 meters. Uh, this particular road, they didn't clear the ice, didn't clear the snow. And it was just, it was just, everything was white. The road was white, everything. And I was, I was in full control of this vehicle, driving home in the middle of the night. And that's quite poignant because to me, that was the, the sort of the absolute pinnacle of that freedom, independence, exhilaration. I was like, unstoppable. There's no disability here, no disability. And it's also quite poignant because literally, couple of years beforehand that was a mountain pass that I used to ride up my bike so different time of year of course so so I had very fond memories of that same road for different reasons yeah yeah so, so well, that's a go. great that's that's a great way to finish it off so thank you so much for coming on Paul um we are massive fans both Ellie and I um bit of a bit of a love triangle here um, in this podcast thank you very much for coming on sharing your story um ali's got motivation to try and beat your record i think um he's uh, <laughs> i can he's, do, I can do I'll some I'll, any, I'll, I'll give you some training tips ali <laughs> a few training plans be, uh, traveling up to city tower anytime soon <laughs> um, all right so thank you very much uh, listeners hang around because what happens next is ali and i do our top three takeaways so come back after this little um, little jingle and um, we'll see you on the other side paul thank you very much and listeners will also share uh, his uh, complete guide to to driving in the show notes so make sure you come and check us out on the facebook page and and get it from there thanks yeah. very much paul thanks for having me on guys much appreciated
Welcome back, everybody, and a massive shout out to Paul. This section here is Ali and, and my takeaway, our top three takeaways from the interview that we've just had with Paul. Um, the first takeaway that I want to make mention of is the, the line that he said that driving was basically his antidepressant pill and that he utilised driving to, to experience the freedom and the independence and get out of the house and, and start living life again. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, shout out to Paul and, um, and also in relation to that point, um, I guess a shout out to his honesty and vulnerability around how he was admitting that he was a pretty athletic, um, you know, high level performer and then spent a couple of years pretty like lost all of that stuff and didn't know where he was going. And, um, so it was pretty good to share that because I know um, and we've heard from others that have gone through the same thing and many others are going through that. So it's great to see that, yeah, that someone so successful can overcome such a thing. Um, and then in addition to that and how he overcame it was, as you said, getting in the car and driving. And 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 I think I wanted to point out, as I was telling Brad, is um, is it's not just that driving it was also driving and seeing his friends it's like seeing the community going out there and catching up with those friends that he already had made um and it reminded me and i encourage you to go check out that interview of nick tiago that we did um and he was a high level uh controls driver and the thing that he was doing which stood out to me was he was also massively into his friends. He would go out and in the, he talked about taking them out to the clubs and picking them up and bringing them back to his house for hangouts and kick-ons. And, and when we interviewed him, he looked like a pretty happy guy, you know, and, and he said he's got a great community and so on. So that's it. They're, they're people like go out there and see your friends, you know, that's, um, that's and make friends and, and see the community. But who's, got the, who's got the Mercedes and drives through the McDonald's drive-through? Who, who's yeah that was john davy john davy yeah. um people you'll learn that i'm hopeless with names as we go through this podcast and i always ask ali to remind me who people were but um you know just just that feeling of getting in the car and going for a drive even if it's just a circle and he can't get out of the car and going through the drive through and ordering his own coffee and the and the positive feelings that gives him um you know, it's coming through over and over again about how important driving is to us in Australia, or even in Italy, in this story, in this case, but how important it is to be able to drive for our independence and our freedoms and, and that depression side of it all, that getting out and about, getting out of the house, experiencing life, it's, uh, it's coming up over and over and over again. And and I know that that's why I, I'm in this industry, um, Ali, and, and, I, and I know from you that's, that's why you're in the industry as well, is those, those positive feelings of, of helping people achieve more than just getting their licence or, or being able to steer the steering wheel and press the pedals. I'm, I'm sure, I mean, when I think about it, and I'm sure it'll be the same with you and everyone listening here, your fondest memories in a car are where you're with your friends or you're going to see your friends or, you know, you've gone to that road trip or the beach with your friends, or you do that stuff with the mates, you know, when you were young or whatever. So, so yeah, I mean, that's why I love cars. It's everything I did fun with, with my mates was in our, my car in my old Holden Commodore, you know, that, that was back in the day, you know, I loved it. So, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah. And I think that that leads us to that second point is how instrumental that vehicle is in, in this, this world, you know, and in not, 
like in this NDIS world, as we've spoken about many times in this disability world, it really is, especially for a disabled person, that vehicle is that, that, that kind of that glue that's holding you together. It's that missing link. If you don't have that, then it's kind of like no point, you know, it's, it's sort of sounding like that. Yeah. And, but it also involved in this second point is, is how complex it is in regards to bringing together a driver, a vehicle, the licensing department, lessons and funding through an AT application. It, it is a really complex area. We've got to think about road law. We've got to think about safety of, of the person, but also these, the safety of everybody else in the community as well. It is a very complex area. There are lots of um, scenarios that need to take place to be able to get from, I want to be able to drive to actually being able to drive in a safe and meaningful way. But as he said, the, this area of AT, of assistive technology, is probably the most instrumental to getting life back on track and, uh, and that real psychological boost to independence. Um, yeah, a house might come first. A house might lead to being more independent or more comfortable at home. But, but the overall independence seems to come from being able to drive. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It really is that glue, and and um, and I guess as you said, it is. And as we discussed, vehicle is a very complex environment. And I will bring this link to point number three around Paul and his determination and disrupting yeah. the industry. Yep, vehicle is a complex environment. Before Paul and Total Billy came around, nobody wanted to challenge that complex environment. And what do they do? Just the same old push pull hand controls. 30 years 40 years it was just the same old thing because it was too complex and no one wanted to challenge it but Paul was just determined and he, he he pushed through and he disrupted that industry because as we mentioned before or as I've mentioned uh, and I'll disclose I was in the industry of controls before Paul was but I wasn't pushing the way he was I didn't have that determination to bring it to the people like he did um, and I know back in the day, it was hard. It was hard, hard to get it through. People didn't understand it's a complex environment. Um, so people just would tend to throw their hands up. And, and Paul clearly, as you could see by his determination, didn't take no for an answer. I know how he's done his business. He's gone and uh, through hard work and grit, gone and basically get, given his hand controls to as many people as possible and said, yeah. hey, this is possible. Try it out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, um, and that's then forced everyone in the industry to relook at how they do things and go, well, yeah, it is complex, but we do need to solve those problems. And now even myself, the way I look at this vehicle environment is completely different. It's a, it's yeah. not, it's a completely different way of looking at it. And I do contribute that to, um, to the disruption that, that he put to, towards the driving. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and I 100% agree with everything you just said. Trialing, trialing hand controls, can make a massive, massive difference to the end user compared to just having push ball or push radial or in South Australia, what was really common 10 years ago was push twist, so electronic, uh, not electronic, um, motorbike style throttle. Um, and until he came and really shook it up, that's what was in all of the driving instructors' cars. Now, because of his shakeup of the industry, there's more electronics in driving instructors' cars. There's more opportunities to trial different 
different um, modifications. And what it's done is it's, it's allowed people to experience different forces on the body. And what used to be um, really fatiguing driving, really fatiguing um, ways of driving, even though you could drive, it was really fatiguing and, and it was still limiting. Nowadays, driving's not limiting at all. And you can drive anywhere you want for as long as you want based on the technology that that's now available. And, and like you, I big shout out to him. He, he's shaken up the industry in a really positive way. Um, and, and we're all trying to keep up with him really. And uh, yeah, he, he's a highly motivated, highly dedicated, highly determined man. And uh, we're all thankful for it really. Well, I am, and you are. And um, yeah, and we're going to get him back on um, to really talk about total ability and about the, the company itself and um, yeah, really break down what that company can offer people with disabilities um, yeah, sometime in the future. Yeah, that'll be really good. All right. As we, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Make sure that you uh, check us out on the, on the Facebook page because we will share the Total Ability Complete Guide to Driving uh, on there, which unpacks the process that drivers need to go through, how to deal with the NDIS as well. So make sure you go to the Facebook page and check out uh, Drive Able Podcast. E easy to put it in the search bar. It'll come up. Make sure you press the like button, press the share button, uh, and make sure you go back and listen to any previous episodes as well, because we've referenced a whole heap of people in this podcast episode, uh, from Nick Tiago to John Davey to, to uh, Nick from um, Blue Badge Insurance as well. Um, lots of gold in previous episodes. All right. And as we say in every episode, if you've got any queries about what you can do and, and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT uh, or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial because as we can see, trials really do put you in the driver's seat. And until the next episode, we'll see you later. See you next time, guys. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barrier. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.